0: Friends, it is still so good to see you and to be with you in worship, whether you're with us here or online. My name is Adam. I want to add my welcome to Pastor Mitch's, and I am so excited about this week and all it represents. Now, I'm going to start off by dating myself here. I don't mind, because before online ordering, before apps, there were catalogs. Who's with me? Who's a a catalog person? Who knows what I'm talking about? Okay, so one catalog that was always around my house, especially around the holidays, was the Wisconsin Cheeseman. And me and my dad just thought the name was hilarious. So it became like a thing in our house. Now, the Wisconsin Cheeseman catalog, and I, this has got to be the first Wisconsin Cheeseman sermon opener in Christian history. So you are experiencing Christian history today. The Wisconsin Cheeseman is filled with like little snacky stuff for your Christmas party, stuff like that. And, and it became a thing. Well, last December, I decided, you know what? I'm actually gonna order some of this stuff and become a, a real Wisconsin cheeseman. And, and, and so I did, and I, I don't want to tell you, I'm embarrassed to tell you how much money I spent doing that. Uh, now in the catalogs, they make these things look amazing. Right, here's, here's, here's a photo, oh my gosh, who, who could resist? Uh, look, look at the, the beautiful spreads, right? The, look, at this, look at this assortment of meat and cheeses here. Next, yeah. oh my gosh, look how giant it looks on the screen. So a place in order, again, embarrassed to tell you how much I spent and, and I'm, I'm tracking the shipment, right? I'm, I'm, I'm counting down the days to when I can join the dairy infantry. You know, it's, it's just, I, just, I just can't wait. I'm fi- I've been waiting for this for so long, and the moment finally comes, yes! And I pick up the box and think, this doesn't feel like $70 worth of meat and cheese. <laughs> little, little, wait a minute, it's a little light. And so I break it open, and, and the sausages are like about three inches long with the circumference of a nickel. And when I hold them in my hand, it looks like Shrek has eaten a Slim Jim. All right, it was just terrible. Terrible. Anticipation and expectation are powerful forces, aren't they? They're powerful forces. I think one of the hardest things to do in life is to be worthy of a lot of anticipation and to exceed high expectations. I had an awesome time reading through a bunch of responses both on our church and my personal Facebook page. I threw it out there. I said, hey, let me know what was something you really looked forward to and actually exceeded your expectations. So Nikki Nauman said marriage and and Sue Hevelow said Franklin Barbecue in Austin, Texas. I agree and concur with both of those. Uh, Teresa said reading through the Bible in 90 days, and also the Lion King. And I thought that was a, a great combo. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, Janessa said, when Quick Trip came to town, uh, amen, amen. When we first, out, first found out we were coming to Kearney, we did some Google Mac and very quickly. And we're like, oh, they got a QT. We're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. Uh, uh, let's see, uh, someone else said the Mandalorian, a lot of expectations around that. Darisa submitted the picture of uh, the biggest milkshake I've ever seen, and she said it was worth every penny, right? And, and so sometimes we have this ex- these rare experiences in life where our expectations are actually exceeded, but a lot of life doesn't work out like that. You ever pick up a new album from an artist that you love, and you're like, uh, uh. Or it's interesting to see the trend in, in television and in movies. Like more and more and more, a, a lot of the Disney releases are going to come out on Disney Plus, one, because they want your subscription, but two, because if they don't hit a billion dollar opening weekend, people are like, well, it's a disappointment. Like not every movie can have a billion dollar opening day, right? Uh, or, or if you're an investor, maybe the company's initial public offering or the IPO wasn't what you anticipated. Can you tell I've been watching Shark Tank at night? And, and th- I'm just scratching the surface. This is to say nothing of your expectations of, say, your first year of college or, or any significant relationship that you may have entered that may not be going so well. Right? Expectation and anticipation are very powerful forces So as we study God's word together today, we're going to see what Israel was expecting from Jesus and how he did or did not meet those expectations. And what I hope we'll discover together is that Jesus was less than what people anticipated, but is more than anyone could have expected. So we've been, in our, we've been seven weeks into this long story short series, and we're going over the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, from the beginning to the end, and each week we're looking at a particular theme. The Bible's a collection of 66 books written over by, by over 40 different authors over centuries. It contains lots of genres of writing, law, history, prophecy, poetry, letters, So it spans genres, it spans authors, it spans continents, it spans languages, and yet it's all one story. The Bible is the story of God pursuing people to be in right relationship with him. So each week we're going to explore a theme, and then we're going to invite you to dig deeper with us online. You can sign up for one of our groups. We're still going strong. We're going for several more weeks. You can find those on our website here, and I host a uh, live stream on Facebook, Facebook, every Tuesday night at seven. So if you've never done something like this, and you're like, I don't know what they do at a Bible study, you can just watch. No no one will even know you're doing it unless you want to let us know. So I would invite you to dig a little deeper beyond worship. So if you need to catch up on this long story, this is a great week to do it because we're moving from the first half of the Bible called the Old Testament to the second half of the Bible called the New Testament. And we're looking at the coming of the Messiah, the promised one, a highly anticipated, long-expected Savior of the people. So in many ways, the Old Testament is fulfilled, or it finds its culmination in the coming of the Messiah. That's a word that means anointed one. And so here it is in Hebrew, Messiah, and there it is in Greek, which is translated Christos, which we translate into English. So this is a couple different times today. We're going to talk about the Hebrew word that's a Greek word that's an English word. So uh, it's, it's Christ is the word we wind up with in English. And so for a lot of folks, they may not know that, that Jesus Christ, Christ isn't like Jesus' last name, like my last name is Musto. It's a designation. It's a designation. And we may giggle at that, but some folks may not have ever heard. So it, that, that's a title, that Jesus the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. So over these last seven weeks, we've documented the struggle of Israel to be in right relationship with God. The people of Israel, from their humble beginnings with an elderly shepherd in the desert without a single descendant, to slavery in Egypt and emerging from that, to their struggle to be a kingdom amidst all the other kingdoms in the world and longing for a king and, and, and their disobedience to God in that process. And that led to their abduction from their homes into exile. And last week we looked at, well, what was it like when they came back to Jerusalem? And so we're going to pick up today, several hundred years after that. It's called Long Story Short, right? So throughout this entire time, the prophets pointed towards a Messiah, an anointed one who would save and restore Israel to its promised glory. That's been a theme every week are the promises of God. Now, different sources may count... They may have a different specific number of how many prophecies about the Messiah are in the Old Testament, Uh, but here's a sampling of a few of them. There's there's several hundred. That the Messiah would come from Abraham, be born in Bethlehem of a virgin, that the Messiah would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, that the Messiah would be mocked uh, and crucified with criminals, that uh, the Messiah's hands and feet would be pierced, a little foreshadowing of, of the cross. And the Messiah would die with the wicked, but be buried with the rich. So these are some of the scriptures you see in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in the New Testament. And a lot of those were were viewed retroactively. That's what we're going to see today is some of the folks didn't even realize that Jesus was fulfilling these things in their midst until later on. So what we're going to do today is zoom right over Jesus' birth and about 30 years after that. So we've spent four weeks on Jesus' birth back in December in our Christmas in Real Life series. So if you wanna get into that, break out your your Christmas sweater, that's on our website and you can check that out. But again, it's called Long Story Short, right? So we're just gonna skip right over it. So Jesus is born, long story short, now he's about 30 and he's in his public ministry. He's traveling all over Israel preaching and teaching his disciples. He's performing miracles and he spends years trying to show his disciples what exactly it will mean for him to be the Messiah, well, they're about to find out. And so we're going to pick up our scripture today from the book of John, chapter 12, starting in verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So when we read just this verse, we automatically think, well, what festival was it? Earlier in John 12, we, we understand, and, and the scripture tells us, that six days before Passover. That's the celebration of God delivering Israel from slavery in Egypt. And, and this was like, um, like I know Mizzou started at homecoming. We understand in Missouri what homecoming, this was like homecoming for the Jewish people. People flooded into Jerusalem. The population that week just ballooned because they were called home to celebrate the Passover in their religious capital. It was a holy, holy homecoming. And now Jesus caused a stir wherever he went. Huge crowds followed him. And you really draw a crowd by raising someone from the dead, which also took place in John 12. Again, Zoom it over a lot. So the people begin to expect that, oh, if this Jesus, if he, if he has this power to raise people from the dead, there's really something going on. And so this Messiah is finally going to come, finally coming to Jerusalem. It all makes sense. It's Passover time. Here we go. Let the revolution begin. They, they wanted Jesus to lead Israel back to its promised glory. This is what they expected And so on the Jesus way into Jerusalem, he's met by the raucous mob. This is known as the triumphal entry. Verse 13 says, they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. So it's hard to overstate the anticipation and expectation that these people would have been feeling for 1,600 years, even longer than that, they've been waiting. Like our country's not even 300 years old. I don't like waiting 30 minutes for Pizza Hut, right? Like, I'm, I'm not sure, I mean, we, it's hard to get our minds around. Centuries, genera- I mean, people, people will say, oh, fill in the sports team. I thought I'd die before the fill in the blank wins the World Series. Like, this, that's peanuts generations have died and never seen Israel not be under occupation. So, so the anticipation is high because for, for centuries, all of Israel has just been captured or run by somebody else. First, it was the Egyptians, then the Babylonians, then the Assyrians, then the Persians, and in Jesus' lifetime, it was the Romans. And so people think, finally, this is it. And they took palm branches and went out to meet him. Now you understand why we had the children holding foliage at the beginning if you did it before, right? Does that strike you as odd? Like, do you ever get all excited and run and grab a branch off your fern? Like, what, why are they doing that? The palm branch was a symbol of Jewish pride, It was a symbol of abundance as well as representing the old southern kingdom where more palm trees grew than any other place in Palestine. As Americans, now we may not have, I don't don't want to get into all the religious association, but think of how we feel about like the flag and, and the bald eagle and combine those and you have the palm. The palm branch had an association with a previous Jewish revolt. And in ancient times, palm branches were waved to celebrate military victories. So they're not just excited. This is a political statement they're making as they shout, blessed is the king of Israel. I I found this fascinating. Years later, so years after this, probably about 40 years later, Roman Emperor Vespasian He destroyed the temple in Jerusalem and he put down a Jewish revolt. And he he made a commemorative coin to celebrate the conquering of Judea. That's what the, the right picture there says. It says Judea conquered. And what's on the picture? A palm tree. If you want to taunt your enemies, put their national symbol on the coin celebrating your victory. If you want to welcome what you hope is a conquering king... Break out the palm branches. So while waving branches, they shout, Hosanna, Hosanna. So here again in Greek and in Hebrew is this word Hosanna, which means save us. So this has been transliterated in our Bible, meaning the English way to say Hosanna would be save us. When you look at Psalm 118 in the Old Testament, that's how it's translated, save us. But this was a decision made by translators to leave it in there to make it sound like the Greek way of saying the Hebrew word. Are you still with me? Right? So again, we're, we're talking about ancient languages here, and we've left it Hosanna in John 12. It means save us. It's a combination of Hebrew words, which means save and we pray. Now in Psalm 118, again, it's translated save us, and Psalm 118.26 also says, "'Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord.'" So when Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, people are quoting Psalm 118. Then they say, blessed is the king of Israel. The people have been anticipating a Messiah for generations. Right? With this welcome, the expectation is clearly that Jesus will be a military and political leader to make Israel great again, restore Israel's kingdom. They want a king. Pastor Sherry preached about this a couple weeks ago about Israel's desire for an earthly king and their refusal to follow God like they were commanded. And so things haven't changed in a thousand years. So much to unpack just in a few verses. And so I I want us to picture this. It's February 5th, 2020, (laughs) the before times. (laughs) Hundreds of thousands of people have flooded downtown Kansas City. You remember what February 5th was? Chiefs Parade. And, and, and we're, we're here for the triumphal entry of the Super Bowl champions. And some of you might have been there. Everybody claims they were, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah, I was there. I want you to, to picture yourself downtown. I think it was kind of cold, a little snowy. People are screaming. And around the corner comes the parade. <gasps> and you get a glimpse of our man, Patrick Mahomes. And what's... what's He's in a 1991 Dodge Shadow. That was my first car, by the way. (laughs) Like how disappointing would that have been if old Patty was rolling up on the Shadow? We would have been like, "What, Patty, what is you doing? Right, And, and so I'm just trying to give us a picture for when Jesus rolls into Jerusalem, his triumphal entry on a donkey. What? Verse 14, here's what Jesus is rolling in on. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. Is that less than impressive to you? A conquering king comes in on a chariot with war horses. Jesus comes to us not as a warrior with horses, but as a teacher on a donkey, not what people anticipated or expected. John 12 tells us, quoting Zechariah 99, 9, this is one of those links between the Old and New Testament. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion, that was like another name for the the kingdom of Israel, for Jerusalem. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. So this is just one example of Jesus linking his life with the prophecies of the Messiah. And he, he did much more throughout his teachings and in his death and resurrection. Verse 16 sums it up. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified, this is my um, parentheses here, only after Jesus was resurrected, glorified, did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. So if you find all this a little bit hard to track with, so did Jesus' original followers. Some of this they only understood in retrospect. And people began to put the pieces together after they saw Jesus fulfill his mission of death and resurrection. But that day of his triumphal entry... And the day of the Messiah's coming, Jesus was less than they anticipated. Because that same crowd yelling, Hosanna, save us! At the beginning of the week, you know what they were yelling by the end of the week? Crucify him! They love you when they think you're going to do what they want. And then they found out pretty quick... He wasn't what they expected. When they said save us, they didn't mean spiritually or eternally. They meant politically and temporally. Get the Romans out! Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. This is the opposite of what people had been hoping for. And and that's emblematic of so much of Jesus' teachings. He turns our instincts upside down. He said we should love our enemies but that's why they're my enemy because I don't love them he said the first shall be last and the last shall be first but, 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 but Jesus I, I like being first who wants to be last not me he said whoever wants to be great must become a servant I don't know about you, I go to a restaurant because I like being served. This is the opposite of our instincts, so much of what Jesus had for us. Plenty of folks were disappointed in this version of the Messiah, a teacher riding a donkey. Jesus was less than anticipated, but was more than anyone could have expected. So this week marks Jesus' last week on earth in his kind of classic human form. His journey into Jerusalem, to the cross, and into his glorious resurrection. It's called Holy Week. And so on Thursday, I hope you'll join us at 7, online or here, so that we don't just, we've been doing long story short, it's very important we don't make Easter a long story short, so we don't gloss over the anguish and the sacrifice, and and we don't want to miss out on the opportunity to remember just what Jesus did in his final days. And then on Sunday, we're going to celebrate like no Easter ever before, and we'd love for you to join us. We're going to have a big old screen out here. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be able to welcome the most people we've had at our church in a year. All right, and so that, yeah, yes, cannot wait. I'm tempted to just go off on that, but who wants to be the person to tell people, sorry, Easter's full, not me. So we just said, let's, let's get them all. Let's bring them all. Let's do it. So don't want to skip right to Easter, but it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I need to wrap up. I'm, I remember being at, I was at a party one time at my in-laws house and they had someone from their church and they were like, I don't like, we had, Sarah and I had just gone to Good Friday. It was Easter weekend we just gone to Good Good Friday service. I don't like Good Friday service. I mean, where's the joy someone said to me? And I'm like, well, that's on Sunday. So don't skip over all that Jesus did. Anticipation and expectation. Powerful forces. See, we tend to celebrate and, and, and recognize impressive and splashy things. Like a parade for a conquering king. We anticipate that's how God works and that's what we look for. Miraculous things capture our attention. Like we really love really dramatic testimonies and stories of faith. But that's not always how God works. What if like the people of Israel, we've been anticipating and expecting the wrong thing? Jesus was on earth for about three decades before he did any of this. Nobody knew. I mean, that that tells you about everything you need to know about Jesus. He was around for 30 years in secret. Nobody had any clue who he was before this. He was born not into a king's palace, but in an animal stable. Not from a place of prestige, but anonymity. Decades later, he didn't make his glorious entry on a chariot, but a humble donkey. How could God show up in your life if you didn't anticipate big, flashy things from God and that's it, but rather we're brave enough to be faithful in small and quiet ways. I'm sure the last year hasn't been what any of us would have anticipated. How can you still say a prayer of gratitude to God even when you're rightfully disappointed? Some of us may be new to giving this God stuff a try. Some of us may have been doing this a long time, might might be getting a little weary. How can you still do the things Jesus calls you to do, even when you don't feel like it? I had someone say to me this week, and I thought, I'm going to put that in my sermon. They said, Hope doesn't always look like how you hoped. when we choose to go against our instincts and instead anticipate God to come through to us through quiet obedience, then we open ourselves up to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And everybody said, amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the chance to be together, whether uh, through the magic of technology or here in person. God, it is so good to gather in your presence. And it's so good to be reminded of how you came to us in ways that we could have never anticipated and might be even a little disappointed in. So God, we lift up to you those disappointments in our lives. We ask that you give us peace to deal with unanswered questions or struggles that, that just continue on. God, help us to be faithful and obedient to you, even when we don't feel like it. Help us to be perceptive of all the small ways that you are still working in our lives, small and big. God, remind us of your love for us as we go through this journey of Jesus' last days on earth, as we prepare for his sacrifice and his glorious resurrection. Amen.